Welcome to Wide Awake Stories from Insomniac. This is a journey by a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ, this is Wide Awake Stories. This is Insomniac Radio on Sirius XM. Are you ready to trance your ass off? So ready. Wide Awake Stories, episode 23, the trance episode. So we have two special guests on episode 23. Can you guys introduce yourself, our trance men? Yeah, my name's Liel. I am the brand manager for Dream State. Anything from marketing, brand look, aesthetic of the brand. What's Dream State for people that don't know what Dream State is? Dream State is Insomniac's dedicated trance brand. Uh, started as a concept around 2014 and came to life in 2015. Uh, started off as a one-stage show. Now we kind of progressed into multiple stages, multiple days. International, uh, we got stuff going on in Vancouver, been in London, many places around the world. Mexico, three years running, keeping trance alive. And we also have uh, the head honcho of Dream State. He's wearing his Dream State jacket. I am. During the interview. I am. Jeff Ryan. Yep, I'm Jeff. Head of Dream State, we created the concept and the name to fill a trance void in Southern California, um, actually in the United States, which uh, it has grown to an international brand in four and a half short years. Four and a half short years, yep. And why are you both involved in that? Is it because trance is your your passion? Like, where, where did your trance journey begin? Yeah, I mean, I've been promoting trance literally since 1999. Um, I was a DJ for a long time and trance was my first love for dance music, I guess you could say. You know, I came to Insomniac in 2015 and I think everybody had really low expectations for what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, trance was kind of an afterthought here. You know, nobody really expected this thing to go where, where it's gone. Yeah, for sure. I've always wanted to do a trance brand in Insomniac. I think ever since probably 2010 when there was kind of a decline and trance overall producers kind of stopped making trance going into other routes but i still thought in overall the genre was strong there were people there were fans that were disappointed that there was less trance representation on a lineup um so i've kind of always had this vision of kind of bringing something forward to the table what are the fans of dream state now are, are we talking young kids or are we talking crusty old ravers what are we talking about I would say a hardcore trance family member at this moment is somebody that's probably over 25 years old. Yeah, definitely over 25. These are working professional family people. What we've noticed with Dream State is it does have its own very definitive crowd that only goes to Dream State throughout the year. A small percentage of them go to the other festivals, but mainly it's um, hardcore dedicated trance fans that fell in love with trance back in, you know, pre-2006 or, you know, around that time. And because they're working professional people, because they have families, you know, they, they choose this one time to kind of go out and let loose. So what is it about trance that garners such loyalty then? Why that 
genre so much because it, there are people and you do see it on the message boards and, and I know of certain people from back in the day when I was doing it that still listen to that to that music and they stay to it and they don't tend to sort of evolve out of it whereas other people in different genres might. I think trance out of all the whole spectrum of EDM and dance music in general trance people have the most emotional connection to the music. You go to a trance show and you will see hundreds of adults crying on the dance floor. I mean, there's a unique positivity that connects people. Yes. And people do literally fall in love with it in a way that's different than falling in love with other genres. Not to say you can't fall in love with other genres, but when you do with trance, it's head over heels. (laughs) And it never leaves you. Yeah. You know, you have that one person that you fall in love with Mm -hmm. early in life and eventually you probably grow apart. Trance doesn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's the one that didn't get away. People will evolve and obviously get into other things like techno, but at the end of the day, they will never leave and they always have that connection to trance. Well, I do, for sure. Like you listen to like Motorcycle as the Rush Comes or the or a big, oh big records from back God. in the day. Wait, as the Rush Comes was like my yes. breakup song. Like I, <laughs> my first boyfriend and I, when we broke up, I was like having like a panic attack because I'd never had my heart you broken. Been five. I was 15. I was still old. Shut up. You're, you're old, okay? <laughs> What gives you, we'll ask Liel as well, but what gives you the feels? What specific strain of right now of trance gives you the feels? For me, personal preference right now, I like a lot of the Injuna stuff, but then I also like, you know, Ferry Corsten, the guys that are true, you know, pioneers of trance, I guess you could say. Um, the Ferry Corstens, Ali and Felis, Paul Van Dykes of the world. Liel, what's, what's floating your boat? Um, right now, mostly into the uplifting stuff. Simon O'Shine, Newcast, this type of sound right now is really strong. I had you down as a spy trancer. Well, if you're talking about feels, um, oh, okay. that's kind of, but yeah. I mean, overall, I would probably prefer more like psychedelic trance. He's definitely the, the resident barefoot. I, I'm the barefoot third party desert, type of guy. D- desert dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which we have a pretty big scene in California. I think there's something big going on, maybe once a month, a couple months. So we're going to be representing Psytrance later on the show because we have an interview with Infected Mushroom. Uh, but Jeff alluded to his favorite, or one of his favorite, trance artists, Ferry Corson, and John Ochoa caught up with him, and uh, here's what they had to say. This is Wide Awake Stories. We're sitting in Williamsburg, Brooklyn with Ferry Corson. So today we're talking because you've been really busy in 2018 going into 2019. One of your biggest projects is the Unity Project, which you launched last year. Can you tell our listeners what that project is all about? Yeah, Unity, as, as, as the name suggests, you know, it's really to create a feeling of, of really getting together more than we are already. I mean, the trend scene is is a very dedicated sort of scene, has a dedicated following, but I feel it's it's sort of like a scene that is split in half. You know, you got the you got the 140 BPM camp and the side trance guys, and then you have like everything that is not that. And, um, you know, the let's say a good example is all the Anjuna beat stuff and, you know, the vocal almost housey stuff. And everyone's like, yeah, we're part of the trance scene, but there in the middle, there's like, like a void, you know? And no one plays each other's music. So I felt like, what if we just try to fill up that void by, you know, yeah, just like doing a bunch of collabs with pretty much everyone in the scene, and um, and see if we can come up, can can create that sort of middle ground there where everyone starts playing each other's music from other camps as well, you know, because uh, I noticed that a lot of the, the the labels that do a certain type of sound, 
also don't really supply other remixes that cater to the other camp you know and i think that's for the trans scene i think that could be a thing that makes it makes the scene even stronger if we would do that coloring with people is always fun you know you always learn again um it, it creates something that uh, that no one expected very often so speaking of collaborations the unity project has several recognizable names you have legends like paul oakenfold even newcomers like saad ayub how did you go about selecting your newcomers and did you have to adjust your own production approach to collaborate with them? Well, first, this, uh, you know, who, who do I pick for the collabs? It's, it's basically people that I've known for so long already, like Paul, you know, uh, it's, all, it's, it's, it's been the case so often at festivals, like, hey man, let's do a collab right after a few drinks. Sure, I'll call you next week and then never... Nothing happens, right? Because everyone is just busy with their own, their own thing. So, and and I've been very busy with uh, with bringing bringing back Gorilla and uh, and and then the Blueprint the album after that. So there was like two and a half years like in the studio. Just it was all for Ferry, right? And 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 I felt like okay, it's it's just nice to actually make that move and really follow up on those promises that, that you know and, and and good intentions made at, at those festivals. Saad, for example, he's a talented new guy, he's also on my label, and I felt like, okay, some young blood in there, uh, you know, let's see what that does. He, he, he comes in with a different mindset than, um, than some of the, uh, the more established guys, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to mix it up. Who's on the lineup for 2019, then? Can you, say, can you give us any exclusive sneak peeks? There's one with Mark Schultz, there's one with Artie, there's one with uh, BT. Um, there's been talks with Gareth, so I mean, you know, this, and and then there's the, you know, some of the other guys that uh, that just, you know, got sort of like switched on when when the whole Unity thing started, like Kieran McCauley and, and and people like that. So I mean, nothing set in stone yet there, but those are definitely names as well that uh, had have sort of like crossed my mind. It's interesting that you talk about this kind of fraction or, or split in, in trance music because I always thought it was the opposite that I always when I when I go to trance shows I just see all the hugging all the kissing all the unity but I suppose if you're coming from different music communities side trance hard trance uplifting trance there's not there's there's always differences between the communities I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about a little bit about that more well there there is I mean I Everyone is is all. I definitely feel that in trans scene, there's there's a lot of uh, plur, <laughs> you know. Absolutely, peace, love, unity, respect, plur. <laughs> it's probably the strongest in the trans community than any other in electronic music community. So when I'm talking about that divide, I'm not per se talking about the the fans. You know, they although there is a lot of like, you know, on social media like people commenting like, yeah, it's not 140 BPM, so it's not trans. Boohoo, you know, like. Okay, that's matter of taste, I guess. But on the at the actual events, right? It's 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 not that. It's but it's more like the the artists, you know. <laughs> Everyone's pretty stuck in their own way, and it's just not not so much like way before where people were a bit more like, okay, let's explore. And I feel right now a lot, a lot of the guys are either you make this sound or not, you know. And um, I miss that sort of just stick your neck out and see what else is there and how can we do something that uh, makes us blunder and go flat on our face and fuck it and we pick up the pieces and we go again and we try again you know and that's the attitude that I'm missing a little what I find interesting is that nowadays you're seeing a lot of artists who 
either directly identify with trance or were once associated with trance, dipping their toes into other genres. So Tiesto's doing house music, electro house. Armin Van Buren is playing with side trance nowadays. I'm wondering what that cross-pollination what kind of effect it has within the producer and artist community and also the fan community. Are people enjoying that type of experimentation? Well, I've, I've, I've always done it. I've done it, I mean, it's not something like from the last period, right? I mean, if, ever since 2000, 2001, I've, I've done the same thing. I've done I've done my uh, my bits with electro, you know, hence, hence tracks like punk and rock your body rock. And, um, uh, you know, and so I've always had that sort of desire to Dip my toe in the other genre, into the other genre because I think that's that's the only way to move things forward, right? If you if you if you always go to the same supermarket, you always come up with the same products, right? So if you go every once in a while to that other supermarket, you bring something else home, and and that's basically what the whole thought behind just doing something else other than stimulating your own creativity. Really, I think it's great if if people just try something else and yeah the fans uh, may not always agree with it and I if, and, and, and fair play to them you know I, I, I understand you you like someone for for that particular sound but you know after a while when when things become you also got to keep in mind that as for the artist right for when when you're in the studio it's a creative process and if you do the same thing over and over and over and over again it becomes boring and it's stagnant and you just don't move forward right so you need you need to do that sometimes yeah I would assume if an artist is bored, the fan is going to be bored too. Eventually, well, eventually it is, yeah. I mean, you want to make music for the fans, but ultimately you make music for yourself. Because you're in the studio and you're just sitting there, just uh, going off, right? Like, oh, this is amazing and, you know, I can't wait to play this out. And, and sometimes you have to take a risk. And it's only by taking risks that, you know, you bring something new. So we're talking a lot about community and unity and how that relates to the trance scene specifically. Does the music itself have a direct influence on that community building and that unification on the dance floor? In general, trance definitely has a very positive sort of influence. That's what trance is all about. It's all about emotional stuff and uh, and hope, you know, in a way. And um, so, I, yeah, I, I definitely think that that is it's the perfect type of music for this. I very often like to refer to trance as almost like the, the salt and pepper on the table. Because if you look at techno right now, man, it's all trance, you know? Like Nina Kravitz and Charlotte DeWitt and Joris Foran, they're all playing like these amazing techno sets and then dropping in like a massive old school trance classic, you know? And then the crowd just goes off just to go straight back into techno again, which is awesome, I love it. In 2015, Insomniac created Dream State in response to the growing trance movement and community here in America and wider North America, with the media and the internet calling it a trance comeback. On the other hand, trance purists and fans were saying, trance never left, so how can it be coming back? I'm curious to know which side of that argument you're on. I'm in the middle, right down the middle. <laughs> Not to be political, but I agree with the fans, it's never left. But we all gotta be honest, you know, it took a dent, you know, it took a hit. Uh, EDM or the big room sound and then bass, you know, definitely took, took away the spotlight from trance being on the main stage. So yeah, in that sense, no, it never left because yeah, there's always been a pretty healthy trance scene. But yeah, it's, to, even today, still is it as big as it was 
you know, in the early 2000s. No, it's uh, it's it definitely had to make way for other styles of music to be to be on the main stage um, and, and to, to take that spotlight. So, but yeah, it's it, do I feel a comeback? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In 2017, you released your album Blueprint, which is a sci-fi concept album. Last year, you produced and composed the score for the feature film Don't Go. Both projects pull from your more than 20 years of music production, but they feel different. They feel experimental almost. Sounds that you won't necessarily hear in electronic music. And it's not, not every electronic artist can produce a film score or even a concept album. How did you get to that point where you wanted to try to create something so new and daring like a concept album or even a film score? It's almost like one thing led to the other. I've always had like sort of my mindset on eventually later in life doing scoring, you know, because it's just something cool. I get really inspired by film scoring stuff and all this neoclassical music or whatever. When I brought back Guriella, when I felt like, okay, I'm tired of all the put your fucking hands up stuff, I need to bring back Guriella. So I brought back Guriella with Anahera in 2015 and we had just done the the music video for that and my dad walks into my studio and he says man you know something like that you just don't see or hear that anymore like that epic you know what's going on because my dad works in my office so he's very exposed to all the music out there and uh, he says it's just a shame it's so refreshing and nice to hear this again you know and and it's like a story like remember war of the worlds and when he said that for me that was like Aha, that's what I am going to do. You know, Jeff Wayne, War of the Worlds. Um, sort of like a rock opera type of thing, musical, uh, spoken word from like the mid 70s. And it's like, let, let me take that concept and just put it into a, a new sort of form of the for, for more like the, like the trance scene or like electronic music scene. That's where I started with, with like, you know, writing a story with, uh, with David uh, Miller and then create the whole album around it basically. And when that album came out, based on that album, David Gleason, the director, he heard that album and actually reached out to me. He's like, hey, I'm working on a new film. Do you want to do like a two, two or three scenes for the, for the movie? So we talked, so like creatively, what, what are you looking for? Is it orchestral or like experiment, experimental, whatever? So he gave some sort of direction and said, okay, let, let me just put some ideas together and send it over. And then before I knew it, I was asked to do the whole score. So, <laughs> which was really, really amazing. You know, it's just right where I want to be. Yeah, now it's, it's a whole new experience, something you can put on your resume. And it's a new way of making music that you've never done before. It's, it's a complete different set of rules, I noticed. You know, it's, I, I really went through school. You know, the last uh, the last year and a half doing that. When you're a music producer for so long, you think you know all the rules, but once you start making music to picture, it's completely different. And um, until the end of the process where David actually came to the studio to do the final, you know, uh, screening with me, we, we, we changed so much still because he pointed out like certain camera, you know, like, like moves and whatever, you know, like that I really, I didn't, take into consideration right like I mean I, I I really went for the actual story and the emotion but he gave me that whole 
idea of like, yeah, let's see what the camera does here, right? Where it pans or where it, where it fades or where it, like, uh, where, it, where it zooms in or whatever. Just if, if you would just sort of like enhance that with the music as well, then, you know, those cues, then they, they get out, they come out even stronger. Stuff like that, I, I never really even thought of, right? And uh, yeah, it was just like I said, I, I, I really went to school for this. <laughs> Insomniac Radio on Sirius XM. Wide awake stories from Insomniac. I used to know Ferry back in the day. We haven't really hung out very frequently recently, but there was one time when we both played a festival called Creamfields, but the oh, early wow. one. The little, little, little one. No, but it was yes. like, it was the first one <laughs> when it was really small and it was down south. It wasn't up in Liverpool. It was before it came home festival, home homelands. Anyway, so I was playing back in there. 1976. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're talking, I think we're talking 99. Okay. Or 98. I was walking around the festival with him and I went on one of the one of the one of the fairground rides and I came off the fairground ride and I was being he had to hold me and nurse me because I, I get a bit of motion sickness and uh, <laughs> I was being sick it was rather unpleasant so, if so you he held your hair yeah. while you threw up <laughs> yeah I had hair as well at the time yeah so he held yeah, you I was chucking That's up nice. and it was not good so I don't go on fairground rides but thanks who knew Ferry was a bro yeah yeah what a lovely guy <laughs> yeah he is a lovely guy he's no, a really he definitely nice guy. is he definitely is and he doesn't age either you know, no he hasn't like, aged at all what is with that it's weird he's preserved it's himself the trans youth it's youth definitely the trans youth you know you said something about above and beyond earlier and all I could think about is how my first tattoo I went behind my parents back and got a sun and moon tattoo because of above and beyond wow. you would yeah you would do that where did you get you that on the... it was on my hip did you cover it yeah I got it I'm getting it removed for the past like two years because it's a no. really bad sun and moon tattoo oh well, okay <laughs> yeah, somebody so was practicing on you or I literally, it must have been this person's like first tattoo because yeah. it's so ugly but I was like I just love them so much and like really want to like get that tattoo there's, there's one person that didn't stay loyal to the scene <laughs> yeah no fault of stayed loyal but through no fault of her own had a bad artist so this is not a dig at yeah. Above and Beyond this is a dig at this artist who shall remain nameless and, and shunned well it's always nice when an artist changes their logo too after people have tattooed it on oh. themselves and, oh yeah well then you just keep a timeline on your body of the different logos Logos, right? Yeah, right. Just like sort of like a height chart, you know. It's just the different logos going up your body. My feeling on trance, and it's just it's just be personal, but it's and obviously a lot of older people say this, but it's just not as good as what it was back in the day. You look at like that's such an old man comment, though. You know, well, you can't know, run as fast as you could back in the day. You can't jump that. as high as you can. Everybody's going to feel like, like older stuff like, is better tunes, than newer stuff. Three two thousand three drives, oh, yeah, three drives, yeah. You know, Energy Fifty Two, all of these records, which which will play for all in my record bag yeah. back in the day but like it's just where are those records now you know they're, they're in sets they're, they're in late they're night there, early man. morning sets that people play I'm and you get to hear them still you still re hear remixes of three drives okay yeah uh, Grease 2000 which it's now what 2018 every year there's a new remix of that song played five <laughs> times a dream state okay a lot of DJs nowadays are doing like old school classic sets yeah. like Gabe and Dresden yeah. have been touring like classics only for like seven hours right yeah, which, is so which are always amazing yeah, which is great but what I'm saying is not not where are those records where are the new versions of Café Del Mar it's just that you know as we said the kind of the genre you know progresses every five years and as we said it kind of kind of died a little bit maybe 2010 and you know 
the older DJs are trying to kind of bring in a new crowd, so trying to be more, you know, yeah. scene friendly, and you can't just always appeal to the 1999 people because eventually they'll fade out. And well, then agreed. what do you do? Something it's, I call main stage go... syndrome that happens. <laughs> it, it's is uh, that all these guys the wanted to continue syndrome. to be on the main stage, and so they thought that playing the style that they see is on every main stage was going to propel them further. But most of those guys have all hightailed it and come right yeah. back. Yeah, and I would say that the trance records it's not that the style and the passion is disappearing it'll always be there and those records will continue to be made it's just other stuff bubbles to the top right. that people are paying attention to right well, talk, so, so talking of new we discussed this a little bit with the bass rush and tony on the last episode but who's breaking through in the trance world and who who do you guys have your eye on and who have you maybe been help, helped along the way recently oh man there's so many that we are breaking in every year you know we try to keep a, a revolving door of fresh talent that comes through every year. Um, I think the Psytrance movement is still there. You know, that I think that's still a driving force behind, behind Dream State and, you know, how we progress and move forward. But I think recently, and what we're going to see in the next couple of years, is really this tech trance movement. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it, it really, to me, it's a lot of the old uh, Dave the Drummer style, just hard techno now is morphed into and, and kind of relabeled itself as tech trance. Now we're seeing, you know, artists like Will Reese, Alex DiStefano, uh, Second Phase, Key 4050, which is they're about to drop a massive 32 track uh, full tech trance album, which that's John O'Callaghan and uh, Brian Carney together. They, they created the Key 4050 uh, alias. They did EDC Mexico, right? They did. They did. I they did saw EDC them at Mexico. EDC yes. Mexico right last before year. Rez. Right before Rez. And yeah. I she saw some of it I remember and I'm just like I don't think anyone else was more perfect from yeah guess trance to like this heavy bass that she does there yeah that was one amazing show that was I mean, probably my favorite show it's really Mexico. just relabeled hard yeah, techno from the day it's interesting and this is something that Deirdre will have something to say about but um, the tech trance was was when I kind of moved away from trance that was where I left it some of those records are now being played by today's current techno DJs absolutely I saw are. Absolutely. Black Madonna yeah. playing something and it's Nina Kravitz drops yeah, Nina all kinds of, yeah. of, of, of those records and part of it is for the lulls but part of it is because yeah. you can't deny that this influenced you yeah. that you didn't hear this at a party growing up right or that it's a fucking slamming tune yeah yeah <laughs> So, um, what is the plans and what's the future hold for Dream State? What have you got coming up and what's exciting? Well, we just sold out Dream State Vancouver. Yep. Um, sold out in two days. Um, we're doing that one at the Harbor Convention Center, April 12th and 13th. Um, we announced Dream State Europe, which is happening uh, near Warsaw in Poland. Um, that one's doing really well also. We had a massive response to that in Europe, which, you know, we're the Americans going into Europe, which is always... Uh, uh, interesting. You yeah, know, it's all tickets in over 28 countries. Yeah, it's in it. The response to the brand worldwide is really just been, you know, I don't think any of us really expected that. Right. People like, but the trans families are so connected around the world that, you know, the, the trans family in Australia knows what's going on in the United States and vice versa and all over. So the brand, when it was created, really got around. And, you know, people have obviously seen our social media stuff and they follow us. And um, when we go into these markets, there's a huge response. The trans family responds to it. How can people, if they don't already follow you, where should they find you? Um, well, I mean, Instagram, Facebook. Instagram, what's the marketing guy? Facebook, Tell us. Dream State USA um, is the handle on us everywhere. 
dreamstateusa.com for all the latest updates, all the shows, club shows, festivals, everything else. So. Yeah. So yeah, we're also really excited about um, our first show in Denver. Actually, our first Dream States presents in Denver at Summit with Infected Mushroom coming up uh, February 23rd. Um, that's going to be really good. It's doing really well right now. Um, I love the Infected Mushroom guys. They're a fun group to hang out with. <laughs> and they're really fun performers too. They put on a really good show. It's a full live band. Not a DJ set. They're doing the full live band. So that's also something very special that they don't do very often. Well, we have an interview with Infected Mushroom. Let's check it out right now. This is Wide Awake Stories. Broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ. Today we're talking with Erez and Dubda from Infected Mushroom, a group hailing from Israel and one of the true OGs of the Psytrance scene. What's up, guys? Are you enjoying this New York City uh, snowstorm? It's not that bad. If I came out of the plane, I was expecting for something way worse. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Much colder than your home in LA, right? 100% colder, and I'm going to be in the hotel room for the next three days. <laughs> so you've been in the scene since the mid-90s. Uh, you just released your 11th full-length artist album, which is really, really unheard of in electronic music. How did you discover electronic music, and how did you discover Psytrance in particular? Well, the story for me is, is a bit different. Uh, I discovered electronic music, I think it was 1991. This is how old I am, by the way. And I went to a trans party in Israel and I was completely blown away. And from that trans party, I started following that kind of a scene. This scene in Israel started from people who came back from Goa and from Thailand. And when I saw it, I was amazed. And then I started following uh, electronic and side trans music. For Ares, at that, not at that time, but later on, 94, 95, I think, he had a band uh, called Chidapu and he was doing electronic music when he was 13 or 14, I think, with a bunch of other guys. Actually, it was the first internet band. I think it's before the internet. They used to do music without even... Yeah, so it uh, it was uh, back then, kind of before the internet, I want to say, or just in the beginning. We just, it was between modems, you know, so you call one another with this annoying modem noises. And uh, yeah, and then we can communicate with each other like this and send tracks, drafts, Shidapu, to check it out. <laughs> so, so technically, we are the dinosaurs of Psytrance music. Yeah, especially you. Especially me. In Israel, Psytrance is a much bigger, much bigger scene. It has a very specific role in that country. Can you talk a bit about the connection between Psytrance and Israel and how that differs to the Psytrance here in America? So as I mentioned, Psytrance started really early in Israel and then by the year of 95, 96, it became so big for the country, it became the main electronic music in Israel and until today it is the biggest. Even when techno and when house and whatever came in, the public was so in love with Psytrance, so this is the main electronic music of Israel. Don't get me wrong, we do get other stuff, but Psytrance is the biggest. And it became commercial, mainstream what I call, with bands like Infected Mushroom, Asterix, and of course today Vini Vici, that took it to Skazi, took it to a different level in Israel. You know, Skazi became a, a TV star in Israel. Vinny Vici, they play every festival, electronic in the world. Infected Mushroom, we became the most big band. And of course we have Asterix and all this stuff. So every kid in Israel 
instead of being uh, wanted to be a rock star or guitarist or stuff, wanted to be a Psytrance DJ. And that's why Psytrance is so big in Israel today. And uh, this didn't happen in many countries around the world. So, as you said, the difference between here and America is huge, you know, because America is influenced by so many other genres. And Psytrance was always an outside genre in America until Dream State came along. And when Dream State came along, they said, you know what, I want, we want to bring trance and Psytrance way more to America. And Insomniac and Pasquale stood beside it. And now we see a surge in the last five years of Psytrance because of that everywhere in America and also a new surge in the rest of the world so I'm quite kind of happy where we are today it only took 20 years <laughs> um, you just released your new album which is your debut with the homies over at Monster Cap a different home for you uh, as Infected Mushroom the album has quite the peculiar name. I was wondering if you could tell our fans what the album is called and what that title means. Head of NASA and the two Amish boys came from a funny story, you know, uh, which usually an Infected Mushroom album comes from a funny story, like many other albums before. This particular album, you know, me and Ares were sitting in a sound check and uh, there was so Safi over there, our, our uh, head of production, talking to two uh, crew members of the assembly team and they both of them they had like long beards and everything and they were arguing for like 20 minutes about this crew or something you know so something very not important and then I go look at the head of NASA and the two Amish boys over there arguing about this so then it was such a funny story in my head so I said this is a great title let's 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 keep this as an album title now of course this album title doesn't mean anything without, the cover, right? without a cover so we went and made a very serious cover with one of our uh, monster cat artists kez um from uh, austin texas and then me and Eric started to do a theme of space to the album you know lost in play uh, space bliss on mushroom uh, so then the whole album came like a whole space conspiracy that literally started as a joke you know and uh, most infected album uh, uh, album comes from a joke and then has a lot of theories and that's that's the story behind this one so this is album number 11 for infected mushroom how does it relate to your discography and what's new for fans well we went back a little bit to the old school roots i want to say and made made it with more current sounds and you know made it for today's generation but still with our kind of storytelling that we enjoy doing that the track is changing you know started one thing and ends totally different um so yeah that's the current mood uh, maybe also for the next one we're gonna see now that you're 11 albums in you've been around for more than 20 years what have been some of the biggest changes in your sound over the decades well 100 our sound became better just because as you said we're 20 years of producers and i think in sound you always learn and always get better and technology is getting better so i think our sound today is way better than we started uh the approach has changed completely when we started it was all about who has the biggest studio who has the biggest old school analog and gear and today's who has the be best mac you know it's like the, the whole the whole concept of yeah the best part the whole concept of making music changed 
Um, still, we have a very good studio and we're still learning about sounds. Uh, I think our approach has changed, you know, not about writing music. The writing music is just how they said it, you know, we still look for the story and the challenge, the sound progressing and stuff. But we're also influenced from young generation today. We take a lot of what works for new artists and bring it into our stuff because you know we've been doing it for a while and every time comes the kids with new ideas that we not necessarily have so we listen to a lot of the new generation and try to bring it to our sound so we all know that Psytrance fans are notorious for being purists to the sound very dedicated following around the world very protective of the sound and the genre you got to know what you're talking about to be a Psytrance fan infected mushroom has incorporated elements that don't fall directly into Psytrance. Electro, uh, some bass elements here and there. Uh, you once famously produced a track for Lady Gaga's album in 2013 for Art Pop. Do you run any risk as an artist when you experiment with different genres and different sounds, when you're so known for one specific genre? Yes, yeah, there is always, uh, you're always going to lose fans that uh, don't connect with the new stuff, with the new material, especially when you do like a chillout album all of a sudden and uh, the kid is just 18 years old and you want to party and he doesn't care about relaxed music right now. So uh, it really depends on the person. You gain some, you lose some. We just do what we love because if we want, we will just make really horrible music. So we just do whatever we like at the, at the moment and that's it. It's for dedicated Psytrance fans, as you said, they don't care about incorporating electro and stuff. It's If it's not Psytrance, it's not good. What we're known for and what I can say it's what we have going luckily for us, even a Psytrance follower that doesn't like our current music, he will always be a fan of our first albums the gathering classicals because that's like pure side trend so he can bitch about something that we do new but he will always say okay but i still have the gathering in front and i always say this is how it should be you know i don't like any metallica album but i'm i love metallica because some of the albums are in my brain forever. Same for any other kind of band. And I think a band should progress, but it doesn't mean it doesn't know how to do side trends. Like our last two albums, as he said, Head of NASA and the one before, Return to the Sauce, are very side trends oriented because we had the feeling to go back and do side trends. It doesn't matter, we were not gonna do an electro album next or um, I don't know, a rock album yes. or a jazz album like Borgor. Borgor did a jazz, <laughs> Borgor did a great job. And, uh, but but yeah, me and Ares, we like to do music. That's what, and any kind of music. We are now doing classical music at the moment, like real uh, classical with, with one of our Psytrance uh, behind it. But still, it doesn't matter where we go. Psytrance uh, fans will always have the part of Psytrance that we already produce, and they're pretty loyal about that. So what does a classical music Psytrance hybrid sound like? So in the last half a year, we, me and Erez are, are working on producing a very big show that is going to happen next week in Israel. It's Infected Mushroom and basically almost like the Israeli Philharmonic. It's not the Israeli Philharmonic, but it's the size and capacity of it. It's 40 classical musicians, violins, brass, uh, a, a flute, harps and everything doing our music with them but the thing is because some of our music is so old as compared to today we reproduced tracks from the first second 
and all of our albums from scratch to this show. And this was very challenging because it's not like today when you get the sounds and stems and you do, we don't have those sounds. And you have to be like, <laughs> the original because Psytrance, when he wants to hear, let's say, release me, this which we're doing, and it's the first track that opens our first album. We don't have the files for that, but we needed to reconstruct and it was so challenging and fun because it was not as easy as I thought it to be, you know? So it was a difficult task to do. So this album is gonna be, it was not thought as an album, but because there's so much work we put into it, now I want it to be an album. I want, we want to record this as an album. So many good tracks are, and me and Ares, we heard it played live and it's amazing. So uh, next, next album is gonna be probably classical. With, with this kind of stuff. We've talked a little bit about how trance has made a comeback, so to speak, in America, and how Psytrance is having its moment for many people for the first time ever. What do you see happening in Psytrance in America in the next five or 10 years? Hopefully, uh, you know, Dream State and other brands are gonna bring more and more Psytrance artists to America. And not only that, even Psytrance artists needs to bring something different to America. They need to bring different shows, different aspects of what they were doing around the world to America. You know, Infected Mushroom, we do a lot of classic retro DJ set, but we're also known for our live set, also known for our retro set. Same for like, let's say when you bring an artist like Bliss, you can bring Bliss as a DJ set, but you can bring him as a live set with a guitar. Same for Asterix and now I see Dreamstate are doing um, Alpha Porter, which is Dreamstate, which is Asterix and Ace Ventura. As much as Psytrance has been around for years outside of the world, it's kind of fresh here, so it needs to get all of its aspects here. And I think if it will come more and more and more to America, more people will get it. We fell in love with it so many years back. I don't see any reason why Americans will not fall in love with it and are getting into it as we speak. So. I think it's much more shows and, and, and especially spread it around the country because you cannot do only LA or only, I don't know, San Francisco or New York. You should go like Infected Mushroom has done with their long route and going to each and each college town and each and each and every city and spread the world of Psytrance. And I think it's possible and hopefully it will happen in the next 10 years. For someone who's never heard of Psytrance before, who has no idea what it is, who are some of the artists they should begin with? Well, today, because it's now we're speaking of our days, the first thing when you will click Psytrance even and go without, you will go to Vini Vici, you know, and uh, Highlight Tribe, the big track. And if you listen to that, you kind of get a grasp. I would recommend as an artist, though, I'll follow Asterix, uh, of, well, Infected Mushroom, uh, Bliss. These are the guys that we like, you know, if you want to go old school, you listen up to Hallucinogen and stuff like that. That's old school Psytrance and just get an idea what it is. But I always tell people tell you what is Psytrance, you know, and I always tell to people it's like you like rock and then you hear for the first time heavy metal. Same is for Psytrance and Trance because you know what Trance is. You've been listening to Tiesto back in the day and Armin and all of these guys. Psytrance is that on steroids, you know? Just a bit more heavier, more crunchier, more psychedelic sounds. Has the name Psytrance. And uh, yeah, start with that. And, and if you if you dig that, it's a whole world of, of Psytrance artists out there. Wide Awake Stories from Insomnia on Sirius XM. Going Insane, that Infected Mushroom song was probably the first 
is it still is that considered trance still was that that's always really um, heavy I mean it's definitely psychedelic trance they're um, cross genre though they are cross genre sometimes my it's uncle sometimes. showed me that song in Israel um, and I was like whoa that was the one I think that like I mean they've always been huge yeah. I think that's the one where they're like kind of really blew skyrocketed. up skyrocketed yeah I remember to more like mainstream audiences um you know, but their old stuff like conversion, like converting vegetarians, stuff like that. I mean, was very revolutionary at the time. Um, you know, dude, have mixing all the all his vocals into the music and like making it the element is very. Uh, Even their song names are fun. Converting vegetarians. <laughs> what are you converting them to? Love yeah. a clever song title. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're just carnivores. Great all yes. around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, no, those guys are so much fun. And yeah. and they do have a lot of like versus productions like Cat on Mushrooms with Space Cat. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of unique stuff to check out um, yeah. from Infected. So that about does it for our trance special. Um, please tell us your favorite trance stories, your favorite trance tracks. Um, hashtag Wide Awake Stories. And, uh, and are you an old school trance raver or are you new to the scene? You just find your trance Or everywhere trousers. in between. Yeah. You want to hear all of it. Yeah, let us know. Hashtag Wide Awake Stories. Before we go, though, we have to hear what, what are the, our guru, the oracle Samu has dug out of his trance record box. Here's Samu with his trance trousers. This is Wide Awake Stories, broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Please, please don't tell anybody else. But before I was up to my neck in all things house and techno, trance was something that consumed my earliest days of raving. The genre is, in fact, something that I hold very close to my heart. So when I caught wind that our two guests this month were both pioneers of the trance scene, my heart literally skipped a beat because I knew what that meant was I would be able to dive headfirst into a few of the names that are keeping my love for that sound alive. In the next few minutes, I will be shining a light on a handful of tracks that I think personally are worth putting in your own private playlist. Because I'm such a sucker for a good vocal, I figured my first pick would tick that box. Solus and Sean Truby have teamed up with Ultimate on an uplifting collab called Stand By You. It rides on the back of Catherine Amy's heart-wrenching top line about unconditional love. Something that is very timely considering Valentine's Day is around the corner. And this is the type of track that you would do well to dedicate to your significant other.
is Insomniac Radio on Sirius XM. Wide Awake Stories. Next up is a Spanish sensation by the name of Eugenio Tokarev. He's been ripping through buzzing labels left and right in his short rise, having landed on Enhanced, Redux Digital, Digital Society. But for his first single in 2019, he's making his debut on Paul Van Dyke's Bandit Records. Swipe Up is a driving high-octane single that's packing some serious melodic prowess. Armin Van Buren's Who's Afraid of 138 imprint has almost become a way of life for the trans fans who like their, their music served in higher tempos with an extra side of boom. Filling up that order this time is Leroy Moreno, a stateside artist who first showed up on the label last year with his single Jura. He's following up with a new single called Citadel. It's a recipe for getting sweat-drenched hands thrown into the air, and because it's loaded up with angelic vocalizations, lofty arpeggiations, massive plucks, and this huge bass kick that couldn't get any bigger if it tried.
Insomniac Radio, broadcasting dance music 24-7. You're tuned in to Wide Awake Stories. I wouldn't consider this a proper roundup if I didn't include at least one Psy influence. Representing in that category is James Diamond, who is turning up on Ali and Fila's Future Sound of Egypt with a stunning slice of progressive Psy. GoldenEye is the title, and it's an anthem through and through. Powered by high-flying chords, panning vocal chants, a rough triplet bass line, and an emotional-fueled breakdown that I think will get the job done every single time. things up with one of the darlings from the Anjuna Beats camp, Jason Ross, who's built a reputation on exercising his versatility with every chance he gets. His recent Rooms EP dropped at the end of last month, and it showed him operating in a capacity that allowed him to draw inspiration from his travels from far-flung places and packages them all together into a conceptual release, which, as he puts, each room represents a pinnacle growing point in his life that brought him to where he is today. East of Eden is my pick, and it was born out of his hectic string of dates in China, and he embodies that turbulence perfectly with five minutes of rolling bass lines, cinematic chords, and a level of tension and release that is the mark of a true storyteller. (laughs) 
thanks to everybody for listening. A big thank you to Liel and Jeff for being here, our our trance guys. Representing um, the trance welcome. massive. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Yep. Yeah. This was really fun. So yeah. look out for us next time on episode 24. And that does it. <laughs> See you next month.